Fucking big up everyone inside. Yeah. Anyway, we're waffling. Beer rap and banner cows. Press record. I'm liking this. We're going straight in. Big up everyone who speaks different languages. Big up all the coders. You know what to do. Subscribe, like, comment. Um, don't yeah. forget the, the football podcast. Play on alternative weekends that we record. Ready for you straight in the week. Everyone's going back to work now. The trains are packed. People aren't wearing their masks. People ain't caring. Summer's almost over. Although it's sunny where I am now. It's a funny one. We're ending September. Can you believe it's, the year's almost done? It's September. You say summer's almost over, but I am so sweaty right now. I'm hoping that this podcast is going to be over pretty soon. Because I need we'll to open the one. flipping windows. Yeah, we'll God, do a quick damn. one. I've, um, I've been left in the house alone. I'm trying to clean the whole house. Well, Andrew went out and there's a there's a bit of an art exhibition trophy thing in the area. So I'm going to clean up and then set out. I did a, did a run, did a workout this morning, listening to that Drake album. Ah, the new Drizzy. What's your opinion? Certified yeah. lover boy. Yeah, it's good, man. It's good. It's good. It's good. Very moist, but yeah, it's good. It's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you expect with a with a with a title like that? Do you know what the the tunes where he's rapping, he's going hard. Yeah, you know what to expect with Drake. So it's a solid project, man. I wasn't disappointed. Um, I really like it. I, I, I loved it, man. I thought it was dope. I'm, I'm a Drake the, fan. Isn't it? Yeah, no, we all are. How can you not be, guys? Guys, just up there. He's probably the best. Yeah, you could. Well, he's he's the number one pop guy. Is he the number one rapper? It's hard to sort of say. Well, it, de- it depends how you look at it, don't it? Current, current projects. Yeah, arguably is, man. No, I liked it, man. I liked it. I went through it. Uh, when did I go through it? Drake do your conscious record, man. That I think he so does weird. do some conscious records. He does some conscious, thoughtful, provoking stuff. Um, but some of the joints I liked. Uh, overall, I really liked it, of course. And uh, yeah, I'm not mad at it. He was going at Kanye, and there's been back Wait, and forth. One sec, one sec. Just, just to slightly divert before we come back, right? Was God's Plan a conscious record from Drake? Does that count? I can't yeah. really recall the lyrics, but the vibe of it is kind of like a like a woke kind of feel good kind of message, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it um, depends. Like conscious, like how? Like conscious, like if you're thinking like conscious, like most definitely quality. Like I want to hear Drake do something like that. I think he would. The thing is, because I've never heard him do it to what I can remember and I think he would absolutely smash it like that and I just haven't heard him do it before but I feel like he can so that's why I want to hear it but anyway um you were saying uh sorry giving your thoughts on the certified lover boy yeah you nice. saying this track towards Kanye on there I, want, I don't know this track there's like there's there's jabs he throws at him okay. um there's jabs throwing at people and now it's good just to hear him rap man it's good to hear a solid project and uh, some of the features are could maybe a bit like hit and miss. Um, I'm trying to think who was on it. That 21 Savage, I thought that was that was a bit whack. Um, who else was on there? I like the future record. I'm no babies too sexy. That's that was hard. Oh, yeah, I'm too yeah. sexy. I like that. But I didn't like oh, the little, I didn't like the little fug the verse uh, fugs verse at the end. That was a bit weird, but. Nah, that's, what it is. That, that's like for me Drake going and reworking like some old school right said Fred like UK pop <laughs> music like that's that, that's what hip hop is all about man like we take the most random material and flip it and then make it relevant and make it trendy make it cool like come on man like 
I'm Too Sexy For My Shirt isn't a fucking good song, bro. But Drake made it into a bang. So. That, is, that was a good record. The right set right. thread. I'm too sexy. That was corny, man. That was nah, like, man. That was if, a... if you take that now, right, that would be in a set with like 90s pop and cheese. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's where it belongs. <laughs> that's a wedding set. Uh, or the Christmas party. Oh. I'm too sexy for this pod. Too sexy for this pod. Too sexy. Listen, right, said Fred. They were hard body, man. They was like 90s. Obviously, they had their thing like in the gay community, which we support. They got the gay you know community. What, you know what that, that record was? That, that record, record was like, hard, Cal. Come on. You know that record was hard. That, that record was like open Gundam style. Nah, it's, it's better like than that, them, man. It's better than it's that. It's one of them random pop kind of. You know, like when you're drunk, you might just sing along with it and do your little skank, like just because you're out of your nut. But you're not really <laughs> gonna be, you're not really gonna be listening to that when you're in your car or <laughs> got their headphones on, absolutely back, like head banging on the bus. Too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. It's so sexy. Fitted, uh, fitted uh, down low, fitted down low, hood up, going oh, too sexy. Like no, nice. it's a hard record. All right, let's go through it. Right, so what did you think of the artwork with the um? They're pregnant women emojis. I thought that was quite clever. Certified lover boy. I mean, if you want to read into it, you could be saying that he's saying, I, I love all ladies. Well, all, all ladies, it doesn't matter what you look like, I'm going to love you up. Mm. And what is more loving than a mother with child? That is like, that is the epitome of love, right? Just just taking care and just looking after your child like that, you know? So, it, and it's like a universal kind of theme he's going with there. It's modern with the emojis. Um, that's not actually a real emoji, is it? But, well, like, I don't know. Maybe I don't, I need to update, yeah, I think it, get, I update think or something. But I haven't seen a pregnant woman emoji in my um, emoji bloody dictionary or whatever you want to call it. I think it is. Let me go now. Because they were, they were talking about doing one with men. They were talking about making a pregnant man emoji to make it inclusive for... Um, I saw something with... Um, what's that youth's name? Lil Nas X? Like, with a baby. Yeah, he said after... Yeah, after, that he was, like, trolling with a Nas thing. Um, I'm going through my phone now. Yeah, I swear, I swear there's an emoji of... Or maybe not. You're right. Anyway. Sorry, sorry. The mic's a bit far. Yeah. I, I thought there was a pregnant emoji one of that, but... Um, who knows? But no, it was good, man. And then uh, going through the records, uh, yeah, it was clever, man. Uh, Pap- Champagne Poetry started it off. Strong, strong intro from Drake. You know what you're getting with the Drake intros there. Bars, Daddy's mm-hmm. Home, Papi's Home. That's like, yeah, everyone. Oh, there is a pregnant all, emoji. I just found it. All my sons, all my sons, I'm back home. I think it started off pre- like the the start of that album was really strong. Like Pappy's Home, Girls Want Girls. I really like that with Little Baby. Um, in the Bible was decent. Love All with Jay Z. Jay Z's verse on that spazzed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did like I did like hearing Jay pop up every now and again, and that was a a solid appearance from Jay, um, doing his uh, his artistic basquiat flow. Mm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I gave this album a one listen, um, and I thought, yeah, I'm coming back to this. Like, this is dope. Like, I liked it. I definitely liked it, and I'm coming back to it. Man. I like the one with little baby on it. That was a little vibe. Um, Givian is on there. Travis Scott. Uh, you know, what I mean, really talking about future. Thugger in there as well. 
Um, that's a big one for the streets. Uh, there's so many tracks, man. And the thing is, like, the, the production that you get is it's always like varied. Like, there's one or two, like, really, like, just almost like a ballad, kind of just really down tempo and just melodic um, and quite quite minimal. But the sound, man, the way that they produce that Drake sound, it's like an R&B, um, like a swooshing kind of melody. I can't even describe it. It's so dope. And it's so uniquely Drake. That's what I like about it as well, man. Because mm. some people try to rip off that sound. They try to bring in 40 to make records uh, for them and, you know, um, and it's a Drake sound, and, that, and that's what I love on this album. It really shines through, and then you get the the odd grisly rhythm here or there as well, like the one with Lil Wayne and Rick Ross. You only live twice. But yeah. absolute banger. That's that's got to be my favorite track on the album. Just yeah, bang. I think that was leaked some time ago, but yeah, that was that went straight in with Ross's verse. Hard. Yeah, I mean, come every time Ross comes on a track these days, like he doesn't miss, man. Um, it was it was it anything new though? This album was it anything uh, out of the ordinary or anything uh, revolutionary or setting the standards like a Kanye album? Again, I'm gonna say I only gave it a one listen, so I can't I can't really um, comment too much on how much of an impact I think this record had, how important I think it is for the culture, uh, stuff like that. You know, I will say that it is obviously going to be a big album. I think it's broken records already for streaming. Um, and what what happens is whenever Drake drops an album, there's always a cultural change. There's always somebody who wants to come out and do something in the same way that Drake did it. Like, you know, like Drake does the God's Plan video, handing out money in the streets. And then Takashi wants to do a video handing out money in the streets. Uh, you know, Drake's done this video. Uh, no, uh, he's, he's got the um, the little heart shape markup in his hair, <laughs> and I've seen on social media everybody's getting this trim with the little heart shape, the markup, and there's all kinds of memes going out now and stuff. You know, everybody wants to call themselves a certified lover boy. Everyone's doing up CLB, so you know people are messing with it, man. I'm not so sure in this current climate. I'm not so sure what the criteria is for being like a game changing album right now. You know. Um, with Kanye's album, man, I wasn't really feeling it. Like, so you weren't. So I don't know if that's gonna be a game changer. Well, we'll I can't see people that. wearing them them crazy outfits that he was wearing with like tights over his face and all that shit. We'll um, jump on that next because that album is that album is very very good. That's a okay. very nice then. But we'll, we'll we'll share those we'll share those views in a sec. But yeah, I mean, this Drake thing. No, definitely. What like what you're saying with the. Uh, social media things that he does and the haircuts he catches moments so the emoji album everyone's doing their own version of it the haircut people do their own version of it he seems to have his finger on the pulse with artists features with like little babies obviously the hottest guy out in america he's got travis scott he's got the canadian guy thames i think he's canadian thames um he seems to be jumping on remixes and Afrobeat or UK stuff so he's always always got his finger on the pulse with what's hot let me stay relevant let me get other people involved and then he drops his album but this thing yeah. and he talks album. about having a collaborative process just to cut in real quick because uh, if you look at the the credits, you can see there's all kinds of writers on this album mm. there's there's Diddy's involved in writing um 
Anthony Hamilton is involved in writing. Like, so, you know, it's not like he just just takes it lightly. Like, he, he, like he always, like, really puts together some dope artists, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, but this album could be any Drake album. Like, it, it follows, it's a strong album, but it follows the same pattern of pretty much every Drake album with the girly songs, the heartbreak songs, the, the hard rapping songs, the... So it's it's good, but it just could be any Drake album along the Drake timeline, if you get what I mean. Mm. Um. Okay. So in the spirit of saying that, it could just be any old Drake album. Is it, it? It doesn't stand out as being, you know, this is going to be like the best album he's done in his career. This is going to be the defining Drake album. I think it sounds like a Drake album. That's why I like it because it sounds. Yeah, like yeah. It. No it's doubt. not like you know like. When somebody flips the script so much and you just you're taken aback, you're like, what the actual? I I don't always take to that. So the fact that he's got his lane and you know and he's just given us a Drake album, I'm happy with that, man. I don't think he needs to start doing, you know, Ukrainian death disco and and, and fucking. <laughs> what the fuck? Exactly. But he wouldn't. Yeah, I know. I hear what you're saying, but at the same token, I know I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm saying like it's it's a solid album. Um, there's nothing sort of listening like a few listens that there's one or two tracks that really really stood out for me. Um, but is it going to stand the test of time? Like some of his other stuff, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But it's a solid album, man. It's a, it's a good project. It's a great project. We're gonna move into this Kanye album, right? Yeah, you said you there was really a few it. shots. I'm hearing there's always a few shots between these two for a while now. They've been going back and forth. Well, did you and, see? Um, did you see to cut your story that cut that Drake leaked the record with uh, Kanye and Andre 3000? I was just gonna say that. What does oh, that hey. mean? Because I just saw some something on the timeline, right? Mm. And I was like, what, what, what is this all about? At the time, I was a bit busy. I didn't look into it, but. Have you heard the record? What is yeah. Drake on the record? What's going on there? So I listened to it yesterday. I found it, uh, Life at a Party. Uh, and it says, it says Drake this. So it's basically, from my understanding, I think that somehow uh, Drake has leaked this unmixed, this unfinished version that never made the album of Kanye West and Andre 3000. Now, Andre 3000 released a statement saying, he was approached by Kanye to uh, write about his mom when, you know, about uh, Kanye's mom and, and, and Andre 3000 incorporated like the passing of his own mom. So it was a real heartfelt, mm-hmm. when you listen to it, you listen to Andre 3000's verse, it's, it's absolutely out of this world. It's ridiculous. Um, and he left a statement saying, you know, this wasn't my intent, you know, it wasn't my intention to get into the middle of, of this issue between these two guys. I want to work with everyone. Uh, Kanye approached me to do this record and his Kanye's verse wasn't on it when I did mine. And as far as I know, this is what I did. And then whatever happened, happened. Mm. And then Kanye's obviously done his done his verse, but it hasn't been released. This is why it's a leak. Now, I think Drake released it and on some sort of art of war shit. Mm. Um, but it looks a bit weird from Drake because he's leaking this record of Kanye dissing him, but it's got Andre 3000 pouring his heart out, being really emotional. And it's like, well, why would you? Yeah. Well, yeah. He's like, but why would you, why would you keep that? Why would you keep Andre's verse on there? Or why would you leak the record in the first place? 
and you just sort of come out a bit. It just looks a bit looks a bit weird from my point of view from Jake's if if he did if he did release it. But um, it's available on. I don't think YouTube's taking it down yet, but mm. it's it's. It, it's worth listening just for Kanye going a bit mad, but Andre's verse is, is very heartfelt. It's, it's a phenomenal verse. It's got to be worth listening for that. There's a little statement from um, Andre on Pitchfork, yeah. and he says, the track I received and wrote to you didn't have the diss verse on it. We were hoping to make a more focused offering for the Donda album, but I guess things happen like they are supposed to. It's unfortunate that it was released in this way and two artists that I love are going back and forth. I wanted to be on Certified Loverboy too. I just want to work with people that inspire me. Hopefully I can work with Kendrick on his album. I'd love to work with Lil Baby, Tyler and Jay-Z. I respect them all. Before that, there's another paragraph where he talks about saying, um, you know, he wanted to support the Donda concept as like a tribute to uh to uh, Kanye's mom and, and he wanted to reference his own mom. He passed in twenty thirteen. You know, uh, but he didn't know that there was like some kind of a plan to be a disperse or anything like that. It's the gist of what he was saying. He didn't know he was getting involved in a rap beef. <laughs> so he put out a statement to kind of distance himself and say, hey, man, whatever's going on with your beef, this ain't got shit to do with me. Mm. And it's unreleased as well. So I don't think it was mixed. It was sort of unfinished. It didn't make the final cut. So free to be put out doesn't bode well. I wonder why Drake did it. Anyway, he's throwing shots at Kanye throughout the album. Obviously, there's ongoing issues there uh, with Kim Kardashian and uh, Kanye giving Pusha T the details of his son. When you remember when he done that Life of Adonis or whatever it was, the, the, the disc record a few years ago. So wow. back and forth. And then we got the Kanye album Donda, which I listened to a few times. And I thought, yeah, he's absolutely left Earth for this. Like musically, sonically, he's in another world, man. It's flipping ridiculous. Sounds sounds amazing in so many aspects. Now, I think it's going to be one of them ones where in a few years time, people that maybe weren't too hot on it, it will grow on them. Maybe like 808s and heartbreaks. And I think in years to come, it will definitely come into its own. It will mature more. Uh, but I, I really liked it on the first few listens. It's definitely like a really strong spiritual vibe, um, which you're not, you know, not mad at with, with Kanye here. And it feels as though he's taken like his work from previous projects where, uh, where is it? Like Jesus is King um, and Yay, where the beats and Jesus even like the sounds, the, the sounds, the samples, the way the beats are going off random. He's screaming on the mic. He seems to have, tailored that and 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 neatened it up a bit for this project and it and it really like it really was solid for me i liked it a lot um i'm gonna keep going back to it so yeah it's long it's bloody long even though he's added like part twos to uh, i think three or four records at the at the end and yeah i liked it man i liked it i can see why people weren't too keen on it but i'd like to think maybe in time it will grow on people has he added an album cover? Because at first the album cover was black, wasn't it? Yeah, it's still black. I'm looking at it now. Stand up, Ten allocated covers. I'm seeing another one on Rap Genius with a cover that's like... Uh, it looks like an, an illustration of a red, kind of curvy... Yeah, I'm looking woman. at it now, yeah. Um, an album cover inspired by an art piece by French-American artist Louise Bourgeois. Hmm. Uh, this theme resonates with Kanye's dedication of Donda to his late mother. So, 
What is going on? Is he, is he, is he, is he like got multiple covers or is this like a, I don't know. I'm guessing it might be a thing where like, you know, like when you used to buy the CD and then you fold open the inlay and there's various like different artworks or part of the album art. Mm. Um, so maybe it's, it's something like that. You can just do that digitally, can't you? You can just, uh, when you get, if you download the album, you can get like various different JPEGs in there, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, I gave this album a one listen. I thought, man, I could quite easily wear a Donda t-shirt, couldn't I? Just any black tee, good to go. Yeah, it's my Donda album t-shirt, mate. Um, so after giving it a one listen, which is a while ago now, uh, I thought that, yeah, it's all right. Like, I'll come back and check it out again. But my, my impression was, yeah, it's all right. Like, there's a couple of tracks in it that I thought, whoa, this was dope. And it seemed mm. like he was going into like a... Like you say, he went into the soulful bag. He was definitely in his gospel bag. Mm. But it felt like to me, like, he stepped things up a bit. Where where it was unique was he went into, like, a gospel trap kind of vibe. Like, there was some hard joints. Like, it was a couple where the bass was booming. Like, the 808s were going hard, man. Um, and I thought, wow, is this, like, hardcore gospel trap music? You know what I mean? Underground gospel trap like the new genre that's what Kanye does he pushes boundaries and he tries to kind of make a new subgenre every time mm. he puts out an album so he did that with the 808s and he did that with Jesus and has he done that again quite possibly is it possible that this could be you know the big album that you're alluding to that kind of changes the landscape of rap music like are we going to get you know Chance the Rapper's going to come out with something that sounds like this and then maybe um, maybe Kendrick drops something that sounds like this. Maybe loads of people are going to start doing this gospel trap kind of sound after this. I mean, he's that guy. He's very influential like that. So it's very possible. At the moment, I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen someone drop a single that sounds like this is something that, that comes straight off of, uh, off of that Donda vibe. But then my ear isn't to the street like that. Um, I, I've been listening to a lot of old school uh, this week, so. I don't really know. Maybe we shall see. But there's a whole bag of features on this album. To me, that kind of gives it a mixtape kind of vibe. Okay. When you go through the Donda track listing, it is absolutely insane. Like Jay Z, Lil Baby, The Weeknd, Travis Scott, Lil Yachty, Playboy Carty, Young Thug, Cutter, Conway, and and, and Westside Gun. I, I was surprised to see them man on there. I was just yeah. listening to it, so I wasn't looking at the credits. And just when I heard when I heard their voices, I was like, "Oh my days! You you don't put Griselda up on mm. on the spotlight now. Smashed it. Um, Jay Electro on there. Chris Brown, Pop Smoke. Do you know what I mean? Just goes on. Roddy Rich, like, and there's there's a whole bag more. The Lux is on there. Tired on the sign. Flipping hell. Like twenty seven tracks. It's a lot. It's a it lot. The lot. Features. And for me, if you cut 10 tracks off of it, it would be a much better album. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays we're so used to smaller projects, shorter projects or EPs that this this seemed really daunting. Uh, although 10, 20 years ago, this would have been, you know, double CD. This would have been calm. It is a double CD, yeah. Oh, it, but, yeah. but the thing is, it, it, for me... The double CD concept was was always like, how much time do you really have? Like, are you going to sit down and listen to two hours worth of music when a new album comes out? 
Not really. Like I might listen to one CD at a time. So I was never. I I don't think I ever had a session where I could play everything all at one time. Um, you know, I could never listen to a double CD in its entirety, which is it's quite sad for me because I like to have that album session experience. You know, you just sit down, you listen to it, and you know, and then maybe you repeat it again because you want to catch some things that you didn't catch before. But when it's too long, like you should talking two hours or more, hour and a half or more, just can't, I can't. Nowadays you can't. Yeah, back in the day we used to. I suppose if you're driving or or, or you got it on in the background of the house, then it's this possible. Um, going back to the features, I like what he did with Griselda. Like I like how they went away from their usual sound and they featured on this uh, with the Con- Conway verse and the. Westside Gun verse. Um, every feature on it was hard, man. Like even the drill record where he had, was it Pop Smoke or? Mm. Yeah, and then even and even Kanye tried to do a bit of the drill, like the drill stuff. So yeah. I ain't mad at that. Like yeah, he was experimenting. He's mixing it up. All the features were hard. Um, the going to jail, the second record that is flipping. Just 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 the way the vocals and and everything was put together. I, I really like that. And and the weekend, the, the whatever record the weekend was on. Like the the sounds cut ah oh, it it's musically it's, it's mm. levels levels mm. and people are bashing it online and people are entitled to their opinion but I think musically like like everything it's just it's gone clear absolutely gone clear I'm not mm. sa- I'm not saying it's like the greatest album of all time but it's definitely a solid project to that will resonate that will sit with people for the rest of the year you know I think. Some so many projects now you listen and be like, okay, bang, what's next? What's next? Microwave, microwave, bing bang, bosh. Where this definitely you can keep playing, playing it back or come back to it in a few months ago. Actually, let me sit down with it again and take it in and then be like, all right, I get it because I've been guilty of that in the past with projects. So I liked it, man. I'm not mad at it. And he's doing so many other things as well, like how he dropped the um the the listening experience at the you know at these big venues and he's dropping art and fashion and everything he's just doing it all doing it all amazing yeah an absolutely amazing guy um yeah uh, another album i listened to was sounds of little sims mm. she put out a new project um absolutely love this lady man every time she drops something i just think it's like it's amazing man and this just it just fits right into that little Sims mode of doing things that are quite quirky, quite different, just quintessentially her. I never get the impression that she's, you know, trying to be like someone else. Like maybe there's a record that's hot or there's somebody who's really blowing up. So she wants to go and tap into what they're doing. Maybe she gets them to come and feature on them and gets a producer with their kind of sound so she can tap into that and sell records. It feels like to me, she just goes into her her happy place. <laughs> she writes and she records, you know, and she puts together. What she's done here is amazing. An album called Sometimes I Might Be Introvert. And it's, as you can imagine, it's, it's thought-provoking. She's really talking um, about some heartfelt topics to her. Um, and there's so many interludes. It's kind of wrapped together in like a fairy tale kind of like there's like a lot of orchestral production and it feels like a fairy tale it's absolutely amazing it's it's like half pantomime half fairy tale 
with these kind of funky hip hop beats in between and there's like a, a break just you've got like a little afro beat in there and, and a few different vibrations going on um and it's just a really well-made album that doesn't sound like anything i've ever heard before and we're in 2021 so for her to do that it's it's it, i think it's quite remarkable and um she goes into her you know her nigerian kind of roots you see her on the album cover she's wearing like a, an, an african inspired outfit um and she's got her hair all done up like in an african kind of way you know like it's <laughs> yo it's it, i think for the ladies though they're probably going to relate to it more than what the men would but just from a musical perspective this is something quite unique i don't know if we're going to get anything else in 21 that sounds like this um so I think it's well worth a listen. Lil Sims sometimes I might be introvert. Mm, she goes from strength to strength. Um, I'm gonna definitely give this a listen. I, I missed this one. Then I know you've been you've been on Lil Sims since the beginning, so I'm definitely gonna check oh, her son. out. Definitely. Oh, so huge Sims fan. She's got Cleo Soul on there and that. Yeah, I've heard that women record. That's that's hard. So they got Little Sims doing it in the UK. There wasn't that much music. I think I think the main thing was all the the Drake and Kanye West talk of the past week or so. So it's good to see Little Sims getting in there as well, um, taking up some attention. Excuse me, I drink my drink. Mm. Short episode today. I know you said you've been listening to some old school Scott stuff because you you had the great idea of of listening to projects based on the year of the. Listening to projects of the year linked into the episode. So we're currently at episode 97, if I'm correct. Yes, sir. So you're going to hip hop albums from 1997. Let's go. Have you been reminiscing? Yeah, I have. I have been reminiscing. Okay, okay. Where are we going to start? Let's go with. Let's kick this off. Let's go with uh, Life After Death. Mm hmm. The Notorious. So in the last episode, Biggie died. We didn't actually talk about that. But uh, Cannabis said, you know, the greatest rapper of all time died on March 9th. And that was Notorious B.I.G. Was it 95 or was it 96? What, they died? Yeah. I think it was Tupac was 96, I think. Was he saying God rest his soul? Something Rest in peace, kid. It's because, because of, of him. Listen, I know what beef is. See, this is not beef. See, this is something different. Nineteen ninety-seven. Trying to make something off of. That's when he was going at old Cool J. So Park died in ninety-six, and then Big died in ninety-seven, and Big's album was released. Like, so he probably started working on the album, and then he died, and then they released the album after he, uh, mm. So for me, that was <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that was my first hip hop death. And I remember, I remember being in school. I remember when I found out, because Biggie was like my favorite rapper at the time. And um, I remember, do you remember when we used to go to uh, to do PE offsite and we used to get, have to get on a little minibus? Yeah. yeah. Or something. And so I was queuing up waiting to go offsite. And then people started talking about it. You heard that Biggie's dead. I was like, what, Biggie's not dead? Yeah, Biggie's dead. And then one of the girls said, yeah, he's dead. I'm glad he's dead, the fat motherfucker. I was like, no. <laughs> I said that fucking you know. I don't want to. I don't want to hurt her because, like, uh, I still follow her on Instagram and shit. But I'll never forget you for that, bitch. <laughs> Broke my heart with saying that. And um and yeah, so that was my first hip hop death, man. Obviously, there's been many deaths since then. But that was the first one that I witnessed, and he was my favorite rapper. It was emotional. 
And the album that came out, because it was strange, because his, 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 his first album, Ready to Die, had a lot of themes where he was talking about suicide and depression, and he even kills himself at the end of the album, you know, like he's on the phone call with, with Puffy, and Puffy's like, big, big, big. So for his next album to come out and him to actually be dead, it's just it was just kind of mad, isn't it? It kind of looks mm. like the art he produced kind of had some kind of an impact on his life, um, which is kind of it's kind of sad, man. And to be honest with you, I always thought that Ready to Die was a much better album than Life After Death because it was like Biggie was fully involved in that album. You know, he had the Lil' Kim and the Junior Mafia thing, and he seemed like he was the creative force behind Lil' Kim and Junior Mafia and the career of Lil, of Lil C's and all of them. Um, so without his kind of creative input to put together this album, it's obviously going to sound a lot different than how it would have done if he was still alive. So I think somebody once said, Ready to Die was just Biggie. And then Life After Death was Biggie and Puffy. And then the one mm. that came afterwards was just Puffy. <laughs> and you can just hear, like, a total change in how the albums are put together as you, you go through each one. But this one, a lot of people will say it's a classic still. There were some big records on there. Um, the ones with the locks, the ones with... Um, uh, oh, there were so many on that Every album. Every track. And in the past, even the four four, jeez, all you heard was Papa, don't hit me no more. Yeah, I think I said in the past it could have been like maybe one CD. There's a few records that I could have left off, but going back to it, like it's 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 pretty much flawless. You know, it's kind of interesting you saying that after just saying how back in the day, you know, the double CDs. Yeah, like, I know, I know, I know, and it was it was the time of the double CD because you got Wu Tang Forever, yeah. which obviously is on high on the list as well. But um, this album had everything, man, from sort of storytelling, which Big is, you know, arguably the best at, to uh, the commercial records, to some of the harder records with the locks, or the ones that RZA produced, to uh, um, everything, man. Oh, so that's, good night. That's, that's, that's up there for me. That's an album that still gets bumped now. That's that. So from 97 till now, Life After Death, Double CD, that's what I'm kickstarting with. Damn. Big, 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 big album. For me, I think Kicking the Door is my favourite, man. The DJ Premier Classic. Um, your Rain on the Top was short like leprechauns. Watch me cross all these so-called players and rapper dance. But the, uh, the way Biggie was rhyming over that, it was just like pure source. It was just 100% swag. <laughs> like nobody could do for me i felt like nobody could rap like this like biggie has to be the greatest rapper because nobody can rap like that <laughs> you know what i mean some people got bars and and some people got you know all different kind of things about them but nobody can do what biggie did on that record there and i still don't think anybody can do that mm-hmm. i still don't even think kendrick can do that i don't think drake can do that nah that's just pure pure big so yeah it's a shame man right rest in peace biggie big way to kick off the uh the year man Flipping out. What are you going for? I mean, the thing is, right, during this time, I was listening to so much, like, raw underground hip-hop music, man. But for me, uh, one of the best albums of that year was Crew. 
an album called The Day Thirty. You know what I'm talking about? I know the I know the I know the crew. I know the well <laughs> the crew the crew. But I remember the, the one record they had. Um, but that's a surprising choice, man. Yeah, I'm going with that because it's it's a slept on album, right? And it's it's building off of coming from '96, where we, you know we had Stacey's Higher with Daylar, and we had um, the track called Quest Beats Rhymes and Life. And then you had these guys called Crew signed to like Def Jam major label release, still being managed by um, I think uh, Russell Simmons was still leading Def Jam at that time. You know they had the Def Jam comedy, like they were like Def Jam was at its height. That movie uh, How to Be a Player with Bill Bellamy came out in '97. It was just like Def Jam was just that was a Def Jam movie by the way that Russell produced. Mm. So and it was just like okay, every, everything coming from Zef Jam is just like it's just gonna be gold in it. And this was that. This was that. It was pure gold. It was three guys. One of them. But the thing is, like the thing about these three guys is they kind of felt like as me being someone who's still very much new to hip hop, getting into hip hop, learning about hip hop at this time. It kind of felt like they were doing things that I'd heard before. They they felt like a bit of a rip off, a bit of a bootleg. Like one of the guys sounded like old day bastard. Another one of the guys sounded like Q-Tip. And then the production sounded similar to what you would get from Daylar and Tribe. And, and it just kind of felt like, you know, like one of them big labels saying, what's hot right now? All right, let's copy and paste that and put this out to compete mm. with what's, what, you know what I mean? It just kind of had that kind of vibe to it a little bit. And they only ever made one album and then the crew split up. So I wonder if maybe that's how they were received, if everybody felt the same way that I did. Like, they were good. But maybe they weren't completely original and they were kind of, you know what I mean, borrowing from other people a little bit and maybe people weren't feeling that. Because at that time it was very much keep it real and don't be a biter and, you know what I mean, like be original. So if you weren't original, then, you know, other MCs would be dissing you, your career would, would, would get cut short, man. Um, but the producer, funnily enough, went on to actually make beats for uh, Puffy's crew, uh, the Hitmen. Okay. So y- Yogi, the producer from the crew, and the beats were si- like this album, yeah, the Dirty Thirty by Crew, spelled C R U, Crew, yeah. No word of a lie. I had this on repeat, like over and over and over and over again. Songed out, pulled the CD, and absolutely loved it. One of the best albums of 1997, hands down. And it was in that era of double CDs, and it was 30 tracks. It was 30 tracks. But I wasn't skipping anything. And the tracks weren't super long. So you could get through the album in a whole sitting as well. So it was just for me, it was like, never heard of these guys, but they sound familiar. Um, and the, 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 the production was fucking cold. They had all these A-list features on there. Black Rob was on there. And that was this was like Black Rob time, isn't it? It was Black Rob's height. I think them times there. Black Rob was on there. Who else was on there? Um... And the locks the, are on the there. The locks are on there. Fucking just, yeah, if you ain't heard it, go get that shit, man. I think it's a really a, a hip-hop classic that might be a bit underappreciated, a bit slept on. C-R-U, crew, and the album's called The Dirty 30. You spell like D-A, the Dirty 30. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to that because I remember the uh, the only the single that they put out that um, 
Here's a little story. Uh, not what's it called? Just another yeah. case. Just, just another case about the wrong pair. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's say funny, so don't you dare like Just another case about the wrong. Yeah, they had yeah. Slick Rick on the album. Come on, man. Hard. That's no, it's a good shout. It's a good shout, Cal. That's that's because people probably wouldn't have gone through that as their first uh, go-to. All right, I'm gonna go then with an album that came out later on in '97, and it oh. was my introduction to him. And for me, it's his best album. That's common. One day it will all make sense. Ooh, and this, that's, yeah, this album right here, this right here, ooh, all production, majority of production by No ID. Common. I'm a big fan of. And just, just throughout. So, you know, Common don't sleep with the rhymes. You know, he's one of the best lyricists. The, the production's all soulful, hard hitting drums. It's all there. And just, some of the concept records, like the one where he gets um, his house gets broken into and his stuff gets stolen, oh. and the way the beat changes up, like stolen moments, that was hard. Yeah, uh, yeah. One too many was, was sick. You're talking about biting and being original, like mm. one too many, one too many MCs all copying everyone. Um, but then you had some real thoughtful ones. So the Lauren Hill record retrospect for, for life. I remember the video on that. Um, that was really deep. Um, Food for Funk, uh, God, this, 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 all of it is just a classic, man. One of my favourite records of uh, all time, I think it is, yeah, Inv- uh, Invocation, to No ID. So all of it, man, it's a real solid project, soulful, common. Yeah, man, it's up there, it's up there. One of the best albums of the year and one of the highlight albums for me. For me, one of the best albums of all time. Mm. This one stands out. Just stands out. Head and shoulders shit. We're talking about Common. We're talking about a rapper's rapper. This is the guy when we talk to, to people on our podcast who make music and we say, what's your top five? And they say Common. He's that guy. Yeah. And this is some of his best work. Like literally some of his best work working with no idea who went on to work with Kanye and Jay-Z. Um, you know, like the and you were always someone who loved that one producer, one MC kind of combination. So it's no surprise mm. that this is one of your top albums from the year. Um and I just think it's an album that had absolutely everything. So for me again, building on ninety-six where you had Dayla and you had Tribe and then you had Common who was a feature on the Dayla album so if you're someone like me who who was listening and exploring hip-hop and then you're like who's this Common guy he absolutely killed it on the, on the Dayla album and then next year you get an album from Common and it's like oh my fuck <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then Dayla featured on it and Lauren Hill's on it and Q-Tips on it and Black Dots on it, and and it's like yeah, because the Root had an album last year, and then you get into Erica Badu because she's on it as well. Mm, there's like a then, like a close knit oh, family, like a community, and you can start man. to piece. This is obviously before the internet, so you can start to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And be yeah. like, okay, I, I'm a fan of uh, I'm a fan of this uh, Black Fort record. Let me go check out the Roots. Oh shit, Erica Badu. Let me go check out Erica Badu. Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. CeeLo Green. The, the, the features are mad. Like, this is on there. At this time, everyone was just like, you know, an artist. Yeah. No one was like super rich and famous or anything. You know what I mean? And so years and years later, when you look back at it, like this one album, he's got Lauren Hill, De La Soul, 
Erica Badu, Black Thor, uh, Q-Tip. Mm. It's I mad, think- isn't it? It's like, wow, it's like the best of the best. That run between One Day All Makes Sense and like Water for Chocolate is like Kanye and Resurrection. Sorry, Common was, yeah, it's all hard. Resurrection, One Day All Makes Sense, like Water for Chocolate. Electric Circus, he went a bit funky. Uh, B's good. Finding Forever, I really like. So we, we linked up with Kanye um, in 2007. But uh, yeah, One Day It All Makes Sense. Go check it out. Final thought on that is the duality of common being able to go from like being the kind of conscious kind of woke kind of guy with like, you know, uh, a thoughtfulness to him. Um, and maybe even, uh, like a sweeter side, like showing you more sensitive side of making songs with like Erica would do that. You could argue, is that even hip hop music well, that they made there all night long? Um, and then to go to a record with cannabis, making a name for ourselves just trading rhymes back to back on some raw kind of battle rapper shit mm. like I'm talking about like trying to fight people and shit cannabis to, I, f- I think that's where cannabis uh oh no 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 my bad that was on that was on another album but cannabis cannabis was on fire at this time as well so another good feature just listen just go and get if you ain't heard it one of the best albums of all time in my opinion one day it'll all make sense comment um, shit, I guess I've got to pick the next one after that. How do, you, how do you follow that? How do you follow that? You can't. Um, I guess I've got, I've got to kind of go Wu-Tang forever, man. Oh, shit. Kind of have to. Stadium pack for Omar in the back, ready. Oh, it's yours. Oh, this album, go on, speak on it, because this album is, is up there for me as well. Man, just... Wow, what can you say? Like, as a hip hop fan in the 1990s, when you get an album that drops like this, it is absolutely mind blowing. Just absolutely mind blowing. So, some people might criticize and say it wasn't as good as 36 Chambers. But, however, what is, isn't it? What is as good as that's That's one of the greatest albums of all time. And Wu Tang Forever. For me, it's a classic. It goes right up there in one of the greatest albums of all time. You're talking 10-odd MCs all tied together with that RZA production and then all of the killer bees and and all of those mad influences. Another double CD. This might be the defining double CD of the 90s hip-hop era. Mm. Wu-Tang Forever uh, double CD. It was f- like I had it. It was fat. It was bulky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like there was so much in there, man, with the, like the kind of inlays and the album art and stuff going on. And so again, this was Wu Tang at their height, another another um, artist at the peak of their powers. Um, and it was just like it was an absolutely incredible. It, that that's what it was for me. It was absolutely incredible. Maybe. Again, with the same kind of criticism you can do for any super long release, you could say maybe there was too many tracks. But if you're a Wu-Tang fan, because it's like, it's the level that they rhyme at. It's such a high standard. Like mm. Even like the tracks that you might not like the most are still really fucking good records, man. You know? And, and um, the way that they, the way that they served it up, like if you, if you actually look through the track listing, there's not really any 
tracks that should be super big commercial records. You know, like if you look at what the artists are doing today, you look at stuff that, that Drake does, you look at stuff that Ye does, and you think, oh, yeah, they were seeing the bigger picture and, you know, they're going to be performing this in state. Like literally Kanye made his own album in a stadium and was doing um, stadium performances of his album every night before it was even out. <laughs> like getting into that zone of I'm making stadium music, you know what I mean? And and this this shit wasn't like that, man. This shit was just raw, just got just just rhymes and beats, just hard beats, hard rhymes. Even the commercial tracks were hard. Like what was the, what was the, the biggest uh it was probably um Triumph. Yeah. I'd say yeah. Crazy Triumph video with the special effects and all of that. It was, it went from, so Enter the 36 Chambers was like mad grimy, like the set, the mix down sounds horrible in some parts, the like analog, like hard hitting. And this has started to get a bit more digital. Was it, a, did, was this like, on, it was on loud, I think. Did it have like some interactive enhanced CD where you put it in the computer and it opened yeah. up? Yeah, I'm glad, that? That, I'm glad that you mentioned the mix down because that's a, that's a huge thing. Like, because I think RZA did everything all by himself on the first album. And by this time, like, you know, he's, he's he's become an industry guy years later. He's like, he's polished and, you know, he's like a certified engineer now instead of just being a guy just just making shit um, and trying to, you know, making shit by himself. Yeah. And it's trying just, to get on. But now he's really on his industry and everything sounds polished. Um, and obviously they're going to be working with top engineers and stuff. And that, yeah, it was like the difference in it. It was like you put in those CDs that were... The Def Jam, the loud records, the the relativities, the Interscope, and they just sounded so good, man. Sounded so crisp. It was just wow. It was a real experience, man. It was interactive. I remember like you could you could put it in your computer and it open up Windows Media Player or something like that, and it'd take you to like a new chamber. It'd take you to some. In, it, they did it with Mob Deep's Hell on Earth as well. It, it it had some enhanced CD feature. It was on a few of the loud albums, but um. I made one of those when I was at uni actually. I can't yeah. enjoy doing that. Yeah. It's, not even, it's, not even, it's not as big as a deal as you might think it is. Shit, sounds good to me, man. I can't do that. Anyway, um, just talking about the sort of no radio play. Well, for us, when we got it, it was like Wu-Tang was like off the strength of N36, uh, only built for Cuban links, um, uh, Liquid Swords to cat like all these albums and then to, and then they came reunited and just going through it you know you got reunited you got for heaven's sake uh, older gods which I put on there as like one of my top Wu Tang records forever they were speak uh, teaching people a message do you remember that record um you can drink your life away fuck your life away smoke it, and your seeds grow up the same way mm. basically if you're gonna be doing that then your kids are gonna be going the same way like they always had a message as well. Mm. Um, I remember, yeah, all of this, man, like the MGM talking about the incident during a boxing match. Uh, yeah, the whole album was, uh, it's a good shot. It's one of the greatest albums of all time. I like that you mentioned the, um, almost the uh, the legend of the Wu-Tang, because they kind of forged a legend. You know, it was the kind of, the, the mystery of the, the kind of Kung Fu arts infused with the kind of, the, the school of hard knocks kind of street life street wisdom and they imparted that it was pure wisdom when you listen to, to they were talking about you know like um 
the five percenters, the nation of Islam and, um, you know, they were talking about so much that's going on in American culture. And they were talking about trying to inspire people to be better and to do better. And it's like, yeah, there, there was the pitfalls of their lifestyle, you know, but and I think and that's all that a lot of people gravitated towards. They were just looking at the kind of the smoking bones and the staircase and, the, you know, the, the, the drinking 40s and sipping beers and all that type of shit. But they weren't really onto the message, which was, you know, it was kind of like the message was like, yeah, we come from circumstances that maybe aren't so great and we have our vices to cope with it because we're depressed. You know, that's why we're drinking and we're smoking and shit. Mm. But however, we will inspire for more. Yeah. Cash still rules. Get your money and do better. Man. Elevate. You know what I mean? And now that was the vibe, man. That was the vibe. That Wu-Tang Clan Wu-Tang forever. Wu-Tang is for the children. <laughs> um, and I think as well, this was, when was this? 97. So this is just as we're finishing school. Or no, we're coming towards like the, the end of school time, starting college, I think. When was we? 97? Right? Unless I'm getting it wrong. Yeah, I must be getting it wrong. We was about 15, weren't we? Yeah, 15, I 16. Think, I think we left school probably 98. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, my third album is an album that, oh, there's so many, man. Flipping out, this is hard. Right, an album that I would say, well, I've got a few, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, um, I'm gonna go with this. Ah, it's a toss up between, right? It's a toss up between uh, Super Duper Fly, Missy Elliott, which was Super Duper Fly. Me, yeah, I can't stand the rain. Like, it's a toss up between that. And the complete opposite, the war report, Capone Noriega. <laughs> complete Ooh. opposite. So, Capone Noriega, the war report, after TOMY, after I heard that, I thought, what is this? I need wow. to get involved in this. And wow. like, I got this on vinyl, I got this everything. Like, I love this album. Bloody Money, Stick You, Parole Violators, <laughs> TOMY, which you said, um, LALA. Um, illegal life, black gangster. Uh, so illegal life was my shit. That was the hardest record I'd ever heard. Mad, wow. yeah. mad. So wow. I really and I really like Noriega. I really like Noriega's rhymes, like how he used to. You know, it was a bit. Some of it you didn't even understand. Like mum was talking about bogeys and mm. Indian style knees bent, crash. You know, put the bogey out in his face, make it make your face smell like ashtray. Anyway. So CNN, War Report, which is hard. And I'm going to go, I'm cheating a bit, so forgive me. Oh, but, me. Uh, super duper flyer, which I thought, this woman is something else, man. From from when you saw the visuals of the rain and just the Timberland production, her production, the singing. Um, the Aaliyah record's one of my favourite records of all time, like your best, uh, best friend. So... Best friends mm. on there, beat me nine one one, suck it to me, suck it to me. Even Buster Rhymes' intro, Buster Rhymes' ah. intro is all the beats are just out of this world. And like from ninety seven, that was genre defining, man. That is this Timberland and Missy, and I don't think Missy get as much credits for her production as Timberland does or did. So 
super duper flyer, man. Phenomenal. I think, I think you are 100% right in saying that um, Compartment Arega was really hard. Um, but super duper flyer was like, yo. <laughs> Even just looking at the cover with Missy just chilling, big foot all up in the in the, in the camera, just chilling like in like a is that like a baseball type of type of swag she's got going on there, man. Yeah, like, name on the front, just, yeah. Just looking super duper fly, you know what I mean? It was again, she was someone who changed hip hop. Man. She was she was one of those. She was just one of those characters, man. Who was. So unique, so uniquely herself. Um, and yeah, she was produced by Timberland, but she was also a producer herself. I think maybe she grew more into becoming a producer over time. And at this time, she was maybe very much under Timberland's wing. Um, just kind of going through the track list and I can see pretty much everything produced by Timberland um, on this album. Um, but she obviously had a lot of creative input. And like you say, the visuals, she, she was like a very visual artist at a time when maybe only Buster Rhymes was on a similar level of thinking, mm. how they portray themselves uh, artistically. You know, a lot of people were just, yo, just get a camera, we'll just hit the streets, we'll just shoot a video. Like I think of the um, the Oh My God video with like Tribe and Buster in, in the mid-90s. <laughs> That's like one of our favourite videos from the, from the mid-90s. Oh my god, yeah, oh my god, just like right, just like fuck just like a whole bunch of people from the neighborhood following a truck and they're just rapid, you know what I mean? And I, I just love that vibe of just everyone just in the streets looking like they're having fun, having a good time. Like a Notting Hill Carnival vibe following a tr- float. That's kind of what it felt like watching that video. Um but Missy was she was doing stuff that was completely out of this world. Like wasn't there one video where she like got in like a <laughs> She got like a kind of suit that was all blown up. Like Yeah, that's the first one. That's from the rain, yeah. Like the black bin bag. Well, people have told it like that, but it wasn't really a bin bag. It was like it was it was like a custom made outfit for the video, wasn't it? And it was like all blown up and, and inflated. So it almost like a balloon kind of suit, but like with balloons on, on all of her limbs, just kind of engulfing her, and she was kind of bouncing around and it just looked you know what I mean? Like her videos kind of look like. Where are you filming this? Are you filming it on Mars? Like, are you, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? Hmm. Out of this world. And for that, I think um, you have to you have to respect you have to respect what she did here, man. Because she was never like an artist that was trying to be all super hard or super lyrical or anything. But she just had her own lane. You know, she just had a flow and she had some funky beats. And I think she put together a classic album here with this super duper flow, man. One of the best of all time. Yeah, heavy, heavy, heavy. Man, I mean... We're reminiscing. This is this is the whole point of the pod, and this is how I like it. We've gone down this little lane of reminiscing the last few few episodes to get people thinking about the good old days. So everybody talking about the good old days, the good old days. So there's there's stuff to there's stuff to get into. Um, I'm just thinking of time. Do you want to do one or two more and then and then look to bounce because I know you're conscious of the weather yeah. and I need to sort of. Well, we can do honourable mentions. Uh, honourable mention for Camp Low. With uh, Uptown Saturday Nights, that was a real vibe. Yeah. Uh, Jay Z's follow up in my lifetime wasn't his greatest album. Still, some solid tracks on there. I think that's really solid. That's that that's one of my contentions of um one of my favorite Jay albums. Very good album. Very Which good. is um you know not everyone's, but 
I think that's that for me. That's one of my favorite J albums. It's one of those things where when someone drops a debut that is held in such high regard, the only way is down. So it doesn't really matter what you do, like the only way is going to be down, isn't it? Mm. And that and that album suffered from from that. You could say that he was a victim of his own quality because. If he if that was his debut album, you'd say, "Ooh, this is a strong debut. This guy's gonna go on and do big things." You know what I mean? Mm. But it wasn't. It was the second album, so and people kind of wanted Reasonable Doubt again, and it wasn't Reasonable Doubt. Yeah, just so. got more radio friendly records, and they're like doing the city is mine. I know what girls like. Um, I know what girls like. You see what I'm saying shit like that wouldn't be able to live. It wouldn't be able to exist on yeah. Reasonable Doubt. Um, always be my sunshine, which people slated, but but then. But then on the other hand, you got the you got the uh, million and one questions, rhyme no more intro, you got bloody imaginary players, you got streets is watching, you got friend of foe, face off. Streets is watching so fucking Where I'm from, I mean come on man. Bangers, bangers. But you see what happened was we were crossing over into the Puff Daddy era. The, the the era of the shiny suits and the, the era of dominance like you know it might be the likes of Kanye and Drake dominating today but back in 1997 Puff Daddy had the game under his wing he was the he was the daddy of the 90s and let me tell you this album that he put out yeah Puff Daddy and the family no way out <laughs> In my opinion, this 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 might this might be album of the year. Might be it's a strong contender for album of the year, man. Because what Diddy did here was it was like for me it was like you know like one of those movies like Ocean's Twelve, Ocean's Eleven, where you get the Hollywood ensemble. Yeah, all star, yeah, the all star cast flipping out first track on the album. You got you got Buster Rams and the notorious B.I.G. Victory. Victory. Mm. What a record. Play that now, like 20 years later. Play it now. And it's still so powerful. I still like I was listening to it recently. I got the same feeling now that I got 20 years ago from it. You know, and then uh Puff ending his verse saying, um, you ain't gotta like me. You just mad cause I tell it how it is and you tell it how it might be. <laughs> I'm like, yo, that's just quintessential puff. Like, he knew that he had haters and he didn't give a fuck. Fuck the haters with his whole vibe. Like, I'm just here to shine. I'm here to do my thing. And he did that. Like, he got a lot of flack for not being someone who writes his own rhymes. Mm. And, you know, and he's referenced stuff like that on later tracks. Um, like, uh, where he said, you know, don't worry if I write rhymes, I write checks. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But he he just kind of leans into being, you know, being the boss, like being being someone. And then you, when you look at the trajectory his career's gone, you can see that he's always been that guy in it. Like he's always been that guy that was like the visionary man, just trying to put things together, trying to build things, trying to do things, you know. Um, and this album I think was a good example of his vision. Like you know, a regular artist couldn't make this album, man. Mm. Realized couldn't make this album. You got like even Mace was was like had his own lane and and and, and done his thing. Like maybe if if Mace didn't succeed, maybe you wouldn't be able to get someone like a Drake succeeding now because you know Mace kind of 
forged new ground as being like you know kind of doing stuff for the ladies and still doing it in a hip-hop way still being able to kind of do tracks with camera and then do kind of underground shit but still doing you know commercial stuff like people weren't really existing in that space until mace came around i mean maybe ll cool j but you know so you could say ll and then the likes of mace and then nelly and then you get like a drake you know what i mean but mace was one of those guys that was doing the work and, and helping uh, the culture to grow and that's what Parfi did man he just had made the culture grow man um Lil Kim on there obviously Biggie on a few tracks Jay-Z um I Love You Baby with Black Rob that was one of my favorite tracks of this year um with Havoc uh on the co-production of that track Havoc of Mob Deep um with a classic album in 96 just just crazy just Ah, the Benjamins remix. Like, come on, man. The Benjamins is probably all about the Benjamins is arguably the greatest posse cut of all time. Like, come on, man. Puff Daddy, Lil Kim, Deluxe, and Biggie all in one track with that crazy flipping beat. That crazy, all about the Benjamins, baby. Like, you ain't never heard nothing like that ever again. And the videos, the visuals were like just. It was just like a grand production. Like, like nobody was doing what he was doing at that time. Like, nobody, like, he moved things forward and people had to try and catch up with him. And that's why I think Jay-Z went down the road of doing those records like Sunshine because he was he was seeing what Puffy was doing. And it was like, man, I've got to try and keep up with Puff. I've got to try and go in this direction now, um, you know? And, but musically it was just on another level. Like we talked about a lot of solid projects. Wu-Tang was solid. CNN was solid. But musically, this album was just absolutely incredible. Mm. That's where Puffy always had his strength in it. Like he just leaned into making really good music, you know? I forgot how solid it is. I'm going to go back and listen to it. Um, And he had sick writers as well. Yeah. Like he's... His, his rapping was always dope, man. People criticised him, but his rapping was actually dope. He just did it right here. Um, yeah, man. Fucking hell, what an album. So and then album what? Missing You with Faith and, and 112 as well. That's got to be one of the best hip-hop records of all time. You know? So many projects, so many projects. Honourable mention there. A few more honourable mentions. Buster Rhymes, When Disaster Strikes. Got Rhymes Galore, Rhymes Galore. Hard Body. Mm. Um, yeah, it's too much. I mean, there's always whatever we say, people are gonna be like, "Oh, but did you didn't say this album? You forgot about this album." OC Jaws. Um, I'm skipping through it. Mr. Cow. I was a big Mr. Cow fan, and No Limit. But that was a bit. That was good, but it's not gonna sort of keep up with these bad boys. So mm. many, man. So many. Um, I got a shout out to EPMD. That Back in Business album was another one that, yo, because Death Squad was my favorite crew back in the day. And when this album dropped back in business, I was like, oh, this is just, for me, absolute classic. I cannot skip a single track on that album. It absolutely bangs. Eric Sermon production, just Eric and Parrish going back to back. Legendary shit. Yeah, them times. Sorry? I'm looking forward to doing 98. Hey, 98 is going to be dope. Um, But we can't stand out about shouting out Tupac with the Are You Still Down album. I think that was another post-humorous outside. So at this point, both Biggie and Tupac are both dead now. 
one from the East Coast, one from the West Coast. This posthumous Tupac album comes out, Are You Still Down? Another double CD. And I remember thinking this album was trash. But there was two or three tracks on there that absolutely slapped. Like, <laughs> Do For Love? Come on. Again, that's got to be one of the best hip-hop records of all time. What you won't do, do for love. Come on, man. But you won't give up. Yeah. Do for love. And then um and there was another one on there. What's the other one on there? Um I ain't gonna remember all of the tracks, but there's 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 one oh yeah, I wonder if Heaven Got Ghetto. Come on. I remember watching the video for that and just being a bit like sad that T Pack had died and now I'm watching his his music video, the album he's released after he died, and the video for I wonder if if heaven got a girl, and it kind of I was just thinking, yeah man, like because if if Tupac went to heaven, uh, where is he gonna he's gonna he's gonna want to go to the girl, <laughs> <laughs> so and, and then they gave you this visual of being in heaven, but being in the ghetto in heaven, and it was just like such a great idea, man. Um, but rest in peace to Biggie and Pop, man. That's that's the year when mm. when they 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 were both gone and they both put out albums and they were still some of the biggest rappers in the game, even though they passed away. Sad times, sad times. But yeah, hopefully people can go back and check out any projects that they forgot about, um, right. any what any ones that they weren't familiar with, like the Crew album that that Cal jumped in at the deep dive. That was a great shout. And we obviously said some of the beta ones. Okay. Uh, let us know your thoughts as always at Beer okay. Advance. Bootcamp, um, Killer Army. Are oh, you going through loads? It's <laughs> <laughs> too much. The Firm album. See, the firm was a funny one because the firm was meant to be like the flipping greatest thing on earth because it had Dre, yeah. Nas, AZ, Foxy, yeah. had everyone together. And it just, for some reason, I think it's a decent album, but for some reason, it didn't quite set, just too, set like, the world in light. It's an EP. Yo, it would have been a classic EP, but it was just a few tracks that maybe weren't so great. Bit ahead of his time, maybe. I think maybe, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it lasted the test of time very well. When you go not ahead of his time, I mean, it doesn't slap as much as you know, like some of the Alba albums we've, we've talked about. You know, you, you're probably going to want to listen to Super Duper Fly or No Way Out or um, you know something else over listening to the firm. I think. Yeah. But um, you could still listen to the firm album. It's, it's still dope, man. Yeah, I think the mix of. Um, Radio records, party records, street records, they didn't quite get it right. So it's still got a place, sort of hey, cult. tracks on there are absolute stone cold classics, man. Cult following, but... Um, even in a, in, a, in a club. There was a hidden track on there as well that was mad. I remember there was a skit. And then the track comes in, and it's like one minute long. We're just nature rapping over the, the maddest beat. Anyway. Yeah, I have to check that out. forgot about that. Um, I always remember it for Nori, sort of coming his own coming into his own for I'm leaving and Cannabis's verse on Desperados Cannabis's verse on Desperados oh, probably man. the best thing probably the best thing in the whole thing Celsius to make MC's milk fuck my record label I'm pick courtesy of myself yeah bang wicked alright boom it's hot outside cow's sweating a thousand degrees I need to find my family because they've gone AWOL do you know what? I can't wait to school my daughter with this music. I'm going to try and find some turntables, buy some turntables. You got to play the Bone Fugs album from 97. 
No, I was going to play the first Bone Thugs one. No, not the the East Eternal 99. Classic. The, and then you got to play uh, the Alcoholics, uh, the song with um, Old Dirty Bastard on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Oh, my God. She, what's, she, what's she into? I, I, do you know what I rapped to her the other day? I, I rapped... Um, uh, what was it on Liquid Swords uh, with Method Man and Jizza? Oh man, I breaks it down to the oh, breaks it down to the bone gristle. Oh, uh, what was it? Was it Jordan? No, not Jordi. I am Mike. Where was it? Shadow boxing. Yeah. Oh, coming out your asshole. Should have known about the flow and freezy afro. To Kelly and Stallion, sneaky ass snap. Hey, listen. And she loved it. She didn't know what was going on. Yeah, shadow boxing. I slayed MCs back in the rec room era. My style broke motherfucking backs like Helen. Hey, listen. I didn't. Even, I can't believe we'd even talk about that album for flipping '96. But shadow boxing. Yo, come on, man. Anywho, oh, it's '95. My bad. Released 95. Good thing we didn't do a 95. I thought it was 96, 95. Anyway. Maybe we'll come my... back when it's 195. <laughs> if we're still doing this fucking you know, <laughs> We should be. All right. I'm going to sign out. Cal, you are a legend. A hip hop. I, I forgot about crew. I'm going to listen to that on my way. Let me know what you think, man. I think yeah, that man. album is, like I say, one of the best of the year. And, and the uh, Puffy album. The Puffy album is a good shout as well. I forgot ooh, about that. How good that was. Yeah, but the Common album, flipping hell, that is mm. just... Wow, man. Just so many here. So all of them. Six. Life so many. Come on now. So many, so many. This is a proper geeky beer up and banner. This is why we do it. Hip-hop talk. Yeah. Old boys. Um, thank you for listening. Don't forget, play on podcasts, football podcasts, every other week. Uh, this podcast talk about hip hop and news although we didn't talk about any news in a minute but fuck that it's all about the music uh, like and subscribe all that good stuff I'm going to say goodbye have a good week yeah and uh, I'm going to say I'm feeling very sweaty and I'm going to jump in the shower and I'm out peace